Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hello. Welcome to the RGM Experience Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, we've had a few weeks off since the last series, but we're back bigger than ever. Sponsored by the beautiful people at Scott's Menswear. Thanks to those guys for, uh, for supporting us and the music community. It's very much appreciated. So you'll have seen all the promotion that we've been doing this week. And today's podcast has an amazing guest. John Cooper Clark is coming up, ladies and gentlemen. How are you getting on? How's that thing you've been meaning to do? Did you get round to that job that's been uh, getting on your nerves for the last 15 minutes? Oh, supermarkets. Oh, sometimes they don't have stuff in. Life's different, isn't it? Couldn't find any sponges the other day. Got got none in and Morrison's. Yeah. Did you manage to get that bit of painting done? You know, before you go back to work, now you're on a break. Did you do, did you get that job done? <laughs> no, okay. Well, who cares, eh? We're back. Ah, it's great to be back, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in to the RGM Experience Podcast Series 4. I bet you're not as excited as me. I've had a bit of a nightmare this week already. Uh, the, the website started playing up. It's gone down. It's currently down as I speak today, and it's it's Saturday as I'm recording, but the podcast is out Monday. Um, but we're, we're changing the infrastructure of the website and we're having somebody manage and host uh, all the technical stuff behind the scenes. So they need to, to make a copy of the website and transfer it all over, all the boring stuff. So it is down at the minute, but it's going to be back, ladies and gentlemen, so don't worry. We're just building for the future. This interview that I've got with John Cooper Clark coming up shortly, ladies and gentlemen, is is probably the most intimidated I've ever been before I've interviewed a guest. And I'll tell you why. As soon as I said I've got John Cooper Clark as a guest, everybody around me started telling me, oh, he's quite like, you know, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. And I'm like, oh, God. Imposter syndrome kicking in. <laughs> it's like, oh God, he's a, he's, a, he's a real intellectual, and I had to proper think about this one. Because I'm not really an intellectual. I, I just work hard, and you know, opportunities come your way by doing so. Um, so I was kind of like really intimidated a little bit, and I didn't need to be. John was absolutely lovely. Was superb. Um, 
Sometimes you listen to people and you shouldn't, don't you? But we're here, the podcast. It's got its own Twitter page, at RGM Pod. That's where you'll hear all the new information first. Yep. There's also a video version of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So just go onto the RGM um, YouTube page. Forgot what it was called then. And it's all on there. You can watch the video version of all the, all this new series that we've got coming up. We've got some amazing guests. Spent some time down at Tram Lines. We interviewed the Blinders. Interviewed the Lathams. That's all coming up on future episodes. We've recorded six guests already for this podcast, so we're trying to stay ahead of the game a little bit, because the hardest thing about bringing a weekly episode out is that sometimes it's hard to get a guest some weeks. We've got Tom Bins, who's a a comedian, coming up over the next few weeks. Next week is Red Rum Club, a great interview that we did with the lads. But it's just so good to be back. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit too excited, I think. Um, but I think, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time for me to shut up, yeah? Um, and let's crack on with this great guest. Intimidating a little bit, but that's my own insecurities, I think. Um, it's going to be great. It is great. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you on the other side. This is our interview with none other than John Cooper Clark. Brilliant. So yeah, welcome to a brand new podcast with a very special guest today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm joined over the phone with none other than John Cooper Clark. Hi, mate. Hello, Kyle. <laughs> How are you doing today? You okay? All right, yeah. Just been talking me through um, the, the situation with the garden back there. It's needing a bit of work at the minute. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've got to get a, have to get a guy in. Right, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, we really appreciate your time today, mate, and thanks for joining us on the on the podcast today. Pleasure. Um, just to start off with, you know, you've got this big tour starting in October. Um, yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. It's uh, it's been it's been shifted a few times, yeah. but that, I think this is for sure. Yeah, yeah, October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're looking good for October. It feels like compared yeah. to. The stop start of what the last eighteen months has been, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I've had, I've had, I've, I've had my date sheet revised, uh, uh, you know, three times that I know of uh, since yeah. the uh, outbreak began. Sure, and and, and the self titled book, I want to be yours, is already out as well. Yeah, and you've yeah. met you've met some amazing characters over the years, and we'll have we'll have a chat about that um, as we progress right. through the interview. But I just want to sure. sh- shoot the shit a little bit, if that's all right with you, mate. Yeah, of course. Well, I first moved to Manchester three years ago from Sheffield, um, and I noticed that when I when I started attending gigs here in Manchester, and you know, going down Oldham Street, Gulliver's, all the all the little haunts where I'm finding new bands and just enjoying the music. Northern Quarter, as yeah. it's known, right? Hovering around the Northern Quarter, looking for new bands to support and, and follow. I noticed that there was quite a lot of, well, on, on a few of the nights, they, they actually had poets and more spoken word artists on normal live gig lineups, which wasn't around in Sheffield, where I'm from originally. Um, no. So it, it feels like I've kind of... I'm late to the party with spoken word and poetry out and on live gigs, to be honest. And um, it just, it feels like I've missed out a little bit. Yeah, I had no idea it was that, uh, you know, mega. 
But mm. anyway, I created that world. <laughs> yes. There weren't no, no, no. rock. There, there weren't no poets in the rock and roll yeah. world when I started out. So you yeah. got me to blame for that. Well, that, well, it's very much appreciated. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the type of people that I'm seeing around in Manchester at the minute is Carl Hildebrand, Leon the Pig Farmer, and since moving to Manchester, I've appreciated Tony Walsh's work a lot more. And um, oh, he's like the national poet of Manchester now. <laughs> any yeah. any sour grapes I mean, there? Any, impo- That's any important event? It's, uh, yeah. it's Tony, isn't it? Yeah. Sure. Well, um, you know, it's it's kind of, I feel late to the party with it, but since, you know, being around it a lot more, um, I've just, you know, I've mentioned earlier that in Sheffield, we don't really see that. But so what's in the air in Manchester, do you think, that creates that type of alternate uh, creativity? Well, that's a that's a good uh, a good question. I don't know. I get it could be, but it, what what I say now will also apply to most of Yorkshire. I think you know, mm. it's a very indoor culture uh, in a way, yeah. thanks to the thanks to the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, it's just a theory. You know, uh, mm. you know, uh, uh, people who live in a rainy place t- uh, spend a lot of time reading. Mm. going to libraries and art galleries and movie theatres or spending a lot of time around the home, yeah. you know, uh, reading, mooching about, yeah. getting ideas, you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but a, more outdoor, a more outdoor culture yeah. would uh, perhaps not emphasise so much. You know, you'd be out enjoying, you having having picnics, doing whatever people who live in those kind of places do. Yeah. But uh, I think it's a very sort of introverted sort of, you know, if you live in a rainy place, mm. you know, you, 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 you be, speaking for myself anyway, you yeah. know, I was, I was very ill as a child. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think, yeah, and I was also uh, the only one until my, my brother happened along 12 years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm very much had to sort of uh, <clears throat> um, uh, cultivate an inner life. Mm. In a way, uh, 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 I don't know if that makes any sense. You know, it involves a lot of reading. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Watching, you know what I mean? Just generally, I, my, your biggest friend, if you're going to write poetry, is idleness. Mm. Idleness. Well, I, I learned the guitar from being idle and having there nothing you else go. to do. When I was on the dole a long time ago, before the, the internet was rife and, you know, that was there the you, and end Well, there you thing. are, there's, so yeah, yeah, boredom, yeah. boredom, and idleness and shiftlessness. Uh, <laughs> people have too much to do now. Yeah, don't they? You know what I mean. If if in doubt, get on the internet and <laughs> things like that. But I don't have that luxury. You know, I'm a bit unique in that way. I don't have any social media or even a mobile phone. Yeah. So you know, but I'm very used to sort of. Um, entertaining myself sure <laughs> you know what i mean it's uh, so how do you entertain yourself i'm a bit of a bookworm to right. be honest reading i spend a lot of my time reading things yeah. in books <laughs> sure so who are you reading at the moment i'm uh, i'm reading actually i'm reading this is quite apposite because i'm reading uh, it took me a long time to get this book a mm. year actually uh they ordered it at waterstones and they mm. finally got it but it's called taste of honey, and it's a, a biography of uh, Sheila Delaney, who wrote A Taste of Honey, which really? was later, you know, a play which was later turned into a, you know, a million dollar movie right. by Woodfall Films. 
starting Dora Brian Rita Tushing and Murray Melvin and uh, Et Al. It's a famous film, isn't it? It's part of that yeah. whole kitchen sink thing that happened between 1959 and, say, 1964. That sort of, you know, five years of... Uh, Provincial English dramas. Yeah, well, Saturday, it, night and, Saturday night and Sunday morning, Billy Liar, Taste of Honey. You yeah. know, there's quite a few of them. Well, it was quite a craze for them. But as I say, put out by a firm called Woodfall Films, wow. often directed by Tony Richardson. There was also a, I'm, I'm sorry to leave it out, I know you're a Yorkshire man, <laughs> this Sporting Life. Ah, ah this okay. Sporting Life starring, yeah. it was, I think it was Richard Harris's first movie, wasn't it? I. I'll take your word for it, mate. But they were all like monochrome, kind of gritty, working-class, social realist movies. Mm. You must be familiar with these films. I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I'm not much of a film man, uh, me personally. I've always been into music more. Um, well, you which... know that bit, you know that, well, you know that spoken intro, sorry it went cut in, but yes, right. you know that spoken introduction uh, from uh, that Alex Turner does? Right. You know, about that, uh, you know, I'll have a fag in a minute. Mm. That one, all that, you uh, know, uh, I'm, I'm out for a good time, all the rest is propaganda. Yeah. Well, that's from the movie, uh, and, and from the book, uh, Saturday Night and Sunday Morning by Alan Silito. Right. And it was the movie that launched the career of Albert Finney. Right. The late, okay. great, sulfur, or as he's known in the business, Albert, or as he, he was known in the business, Albert, Salford lad, big Johnny Clark fan, season <laughs> ticket in the executive box at Old Trafford. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned <laughs> Alex Turner there, and you, you've always, you, you've had a long um, relationship with Alex and, and the Arctic Monkeys over the years. Um, I, I can actually remember watching, well, just researching you a little bit for this interview today. I can remember a, a part of an interview you had. You were, you, you were selling out venues at the time, and you said yourself, you can't see what you do transferring into arenas um, and that kind of stuff. But my last uh, experience of seeing you live was opening for the Arctic Monkeys at Sheffield Arena. Oh, right, the arena, yeah, that's yeah. right. I did one of the nights. They, what, did they do five nights there or something? Five nights in Sheffield, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I did I did one of them because I was, I was doing a show uh, in somewhere like Bradford or something mm. like that, maybe, you know, one of those places around your area. Yeah. And uh, it was very easy. And, you know, it was, a, it was a great opportunity, you know, and as you say, you know, I have done arenas since then, thanks to Alex Turner largely. Wow. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I mean, it was such a thrill to when they did uh, I Want to Be Yours, yeah. you know, on AM. That was just, what a treat. You know, me and the missus and, and my, my little girl, we went to see them at, uh, at um, uh, Earl's Court. And that was the, it was the high point of the evening. It was the, it was the encore number. Wow. It was the number. After that, uh, you know, the the, you know, the the balloons came down and yeah. it was end, end of the night, you know. But it was such a, such a thrill, you know, to be responsible for something that has that much of an effect on so many people at once was, uh, you know, <laughs> massive thrill. Yeah. Thank you very much, Alex, and, and the rest of the Arctic Monkeys. They're, they're great guys. Yeah. They're great guys. We met them about two weeks. I was doing a show with The Fall, I think it was, mm. at the uh, boardwalk, mm. and, uh, you know, in Sheffield. Mm. You will, will you remember that? I've, you remember played, that I've played in bands there many times over the years. It's a real great, shame it's not around venue. anymore. Yeah. It's a real shame it ain't around yeah. anymore. It's a great venue, yeah. And uh, I was just packing up to to go home, 
and uh, and the uh, I think his name was Chris, one of the managers. Chris there. Wilson. So a... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, sort of dressed like a Ted. Looks like George Harrison. I always thought. Yeah, yeah, good-looking kid. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice bloke. Anyway, he says, will you have a word with these lads? You know, they've just come to say hello. They're big fans of yours. They did your mm. stuff at school. They've just left school. They've got a band together. So I thought, that's great. You know, to, you don't hear of that so much anymore. You no. know, school pals forming mm. a band. It's like the Beatles, isn't it? It's proper. You well, know, four pals. Well, the boardwalk, at that, the boardwalk at that time, Alex used to work behind the bar there, Revan and the yeah, Makers. Yeah, John McClure yeah. and everybody, they, they were all around working for the pub at that time. It's It sprouted with many bands. Milburn, Joe, uh, Joe Carnell, um, the Arctic Monkeys started, Reverend and the Makers all came out of that area of, of, of Sheffield yeah. from the boardwalk. It were great times. Yeah, great times, really good. So anyway, I was, I was delighted to meet them. They were real yeah. nice kids, shy like, you know, teenagers can be, mm. you know, and things like that. But I said, what are they called? You know, what's the name of this band? <laughs> and they said, Arctic, the Arctic Monkeys. I said, oh, well, that, that's got success written all over it. You know, sometimes you can tell by a name, you know. Yeah. These people that call themselves, you know, the running sores, you know what I mean? That, <laughs> you're not going to get in the fucking it parade with a name like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, but Arctic Monkeys, yeah. I mean, that's a situation. A monkey in the North Pole. I mean, that, you've got a situation right there. Do, That's an emergency. <laughs> Get that monkey out of there. Well, He's that... from a hot country. You're going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so already you've got a dialogue about the name, the Arctic yeah. Monkeys. On the other hand, it just rolls out. It's a great name. It's, it, it, it's an amazing Arctic name. Monkeys. And just, yeah. just to let you know, uh, the Arctic Monkeys supported my band the first ever gig they played. In Sheffield. Did they? So yeah, it were, you know, Thanks I've got for I've... giving them the. <laughs> so they, so you give them their big chance, right? Is that what you're saying, Carl? Yeah. Well, what were uh, you called? We we were called the Sound at the time. Um, That's a good name. Yeah. And it was uh, at the Grapes in Sheffield. And what what struck what 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 stood out straight away is just how professional they were as a band. It was the first ever gig. Yeah. And I've, I still don't see professional bands do this these days. I don't see them. They, they basically, when it was their sound check, they got everybody out to make sure that their sound was the best it could be. And they weren't distracted in any way at all. And professional. St- from, the, f- from the first ever gig, I still don't see that with professional bands these days. Nah. No, they're all, they're all prima donnas before the event now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> a definitely. legend on their own laptop. <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah no, they're, they're, that's what i mean real old school you know in a good yeah. way yeah. you know that sort of learn learning your chops and getting it right and uh, using every opportunity to further the cause yeah. of the band that's that's what it's all about man mm. and it, you know that sort of that sort of close they're, they're like a closed little closed society amongst themselves they got yeah. their They've all got their little side projects but you can see that mm. the main thing is the arctic monkeys yeah. you know and it's uh, just great. And thanks for giving them that first opportunity, Carl. It's re- very kind of you. Well, you know... I'm, <laughs> I, bet they didn't get, I bet they didn't get a second bite of the apple, <laughs> did they? <laughs> well, you, don't want pe- you don't want the support act going down too well, do you? <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> well, I've lived on that agne- anecdote for probably... <laughs> 20, 20 years now, John, so uh, I've enjoyed bringing it out again to share with you, my friend. <laughs> no, thanks for doing that. And uh, you know, I, I'm speaking on behalf of the, of the rock-loving world mm. when I say thanks for giving them that, opportun- <laughs> that early opportunity. Well, half, a, half of Sheffield is supposed to be... Sorry, mate, what's that? 
They're a fantastic band, yeah. though. You know, I, I, I never met anybody who doesn't like them. Mm. I did Jonesy's jukebox last time I was in uh, in uh, mm. in uh, Los Angeles. You know, yeah. Steve Jones. He's got his own. Yeah. Got his own rock and roll show on there. Very popular. Yeah. Very popular with the Hispanic crowd. Oh, okay. He plays all kinds of music. You know, you, you, more than you would imagine, uh, Jones. Uh, but you yeah. know, REO like, Speedwagon, mm. all, you know, all that kind of thing. The stuff that was around before the before punk rock. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a real eye opener seeing where he got, where you know, where he where his interest takes him. But very good show. Yeah. But he was all over it. You know, he said, they're fantastic, aren't they? They're all team monkeys. I'm going to play them now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's a, he's a massive fan. Well, half of Sheffield's supposed to have been at that gig that night. And... Oh, it's like, <laughs> yeah, one of them, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a sure find. When everybody was there, you know, three million people. Yeah, in an 80-person venue. <laughs> it was the same with the pistols in Manchester, yes. wasn't it? You know, yeah. every, if everybody who says they were there was there, you know, the place would have fell down. <laughs> well, we've, we've all just looking back over the last eighteen months, and you, you've been affected. The tour's been delayed, and that kind of stuff. Um, it, it feels like systems have been stressed to breaking point. Civilizations change for us all. Do you think this is a good ground or a good breeding ground for a bit of a revolution, John? Hey, you know what I've been thinking about this? This is going to be the title of my, na- my latest poem, oh. my next poem. Because I don't write poetry if I'm not doing gigs. Mm. What's, the, what's the point? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm an entertainer. I'm not one of these. I don't write poetry for therapy or yeah. to express myself totally. Sure. I mean, I'm, obviously, I am expressing myself. Yeah. But to me, it doesn't, it doesn't make you a better person writing poetry. For, for ever since I started... I've, I've intended to be a professional poet, you know, yeah. to make a living out of writing poetry. So uh, now everybody's at it. <laughs> everybody's got this enforced idleness, you mm. know, uh, uh, and uh, what would they fill it up with? The number of people that started writing poetry. So that, so my next poem is going to be called My Imminent Redundancy. Ah. You know what I mean? Ah. And it starts at, I've, I've got one line for it. Go on then. Now every... Now every cunt's writing poetry. Just a minute. Now every now every cunt's a poet, as opposed to the other way round. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every poet's a cunt. <laughs> Situation normal, right? But now every <laughs> but now every cunt's a poet. Yeah, well, not good. Not good for us professionals. Well, do you feel like you've been... They re- might be. They, I mean, they might be yeah. fabulous. Yes. There could be a whole new rack of fabulous poets, yeah. you know, about to emerge when the clubs open again. And then where does that leave me, Carl? Well, you can come and... Where does that leave me? If this, I'll tell you what, though, in what? all seriousness, if this had happened 15 years ago, yeah. I'd have been fucking on my... I'd have been on my ass. Really? I'd have been ruined. Yeah. It's only way? really the last 15, 20 years that I started making any proper dosh. Right, sure. Okay. You know, but touch wood, so I'm not crying poverty now, but I would have been if this had happened, you know, yeah. 10 years ago. Well, you're very welcome to join me down at the Northern Quarter at an RGM live gig anytime, John, if you're passing by. Oh, oh thanks very much. I'll bear that in mind, Carl. <laughs> thanks very much. Do, yeah, I bet you don't work for beer money, <laughs> just beer money and a few cans anymore, do you? No, not really. I don't really drink beer, to be honest. Okay. So, you know, already, already, I've dragged you up, Mark. I'm a, more <laughs> of a wine guy. Right. My sure. wife's French. 
My right. wife, for instance. Well, you can pick anything from Tesco up to £10 and I'll sort it out for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No problem. So do, do you think that, you know, because we've all been stressed out and things have changed for everybody, do you, can you feel something in the air? Do you think people are realising that, you know, life can continue without all these corporate structures around us? And do you think, no, there is, do you think, think there's something so. bubbling? No. No. no, I think people can't wait for it to get back to normal like yeah. it was 18 months ago. No, I don't mm. think so. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think, uh, you know, you shouldn't really rely on human nature to improve if you leave it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think people just want it back to normal, frankly. Yeah. I kind of found but that. I don't know why yeah. every... Do you know what I don't understand, though, is... <laughs> yeah. the, the thing that's in most of the newspapers that seems to be upsetting most people is the fact that they can't book a holiday. Yeah. But you know, I mean, what are they? What from? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What if they want a fucking holiday for? <laughs> They've been to work for eighteen months. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't really, really understand that that anxiety. I, I don't understand I mean? the mask but, thing. You know, since you know, it looks like we're coming nah. out of lockdown soon. I, I can't understand why everybody's. It's no, it, it's no good getting involved in the in the idiocy of it all, is it? I mean, yeah. you, you, who wouldn't? reacts idiotically when when there's a life-threatening disease around, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, well, they, they all want the, the world to open up, and then as soon as they... Uh, and then they start complaining that they don't have to wear masks anymore. It's just, you can't... I don't know. Yeah. There's a vibe out there. Eh? I'm sure that there's some kind of vibe out there. What I have found, though, John, which which I agree with what you've just said there about relying on humanity a little bit. But from as, as a bit of a gig promoter, I, I really thought there'd still be more of an appetite for um, for tickets for gigs in the smaller venues. I thought people would be dying to get out, but I still think that, it, that they're either what's still not hoping that venues are going to be open yet, and they're still a bit cagey about parting with some money to buy a ticket, or there's just they've reverted back to normal in their head already and, you know, they find other stuff to do sometimes. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, well, who's used to say who's right and who's wrong yeah, on that one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it remains to be seen. Yeah. But I think, really, people want it, want things back to normal. Yeah, yeah. What I miss is eating out. Yeah. But it's, it's starting to be a bit more possible now. I've been to a couple of, a couple of places and uh, yeah. it's not that weird. You know, but I miss the chat. I miss going to the Chinese. Yeah, just breaking bread. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's really. But what is, that, that's re- that's really you know, man, one extravagance. I think. Yeah. Well, it's... Me, me and the missus, me and the missus and our daughter eating, going to the Chinese. Oh, mate. Well, I'm sure you'll... That's what I call a night out. Well, yeah, definitely, (laughs) definitely. Uh, The next thing that I'd just like to touch on is that, and and it's in your book, um, you you talk about all the characters that you've met over the years, and you just want to... I'm just going to list a few people that's in your book. Uh, Obviously, I wouldn't expect too much. I don't want to give too much away so people go out and, you know, treat themselves to to your book. But I just wanted to get a few words from you on a few of these people that do feature in the books. The first one is Chuck Berry. Yeah. Um, well, I w- yeah. What Are you kind going of, through the list? Or? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was yeah. just, just going to name the person first, and then yeah, just let you have a few it. words, if that's all right. So, what was your relationship yeah. with Chuck Berry? Chuck, um, he was doing a show on the uh, Opera House in Manchester with Jerry Lee Lewis. What a mm. double bill! What wow. a double header! I was only there for a couple of days, but uh, I was walking up uh, Deansgate and uh, I saw an ex-manager of mine, the late Alan Wise, who was. Uh, promoting the show 
He says, hey, I'm glad I've run into you. I've got a show on tonight. I said, who is it? He said, Jerry Lee Lewis and Chuck Berry. I said, put me down as the MC. You know, I'm uh, I'm Mr. Manchester, and, and those guys are uh, very special to me. You know, mm. Jerry Lee Lewis, the greatest piano player that ever lived. Yeah. Chuck Berry, the greatest lyricist that ever lived. You know, put, yeah. count me in. <laughs> so, uh, so I got in there, and uh, and uh, Chuck was very uh, taken with my introduction. Yeah. I remember my intro. I don't remember what intro I did for Chuck, but I remember the one I did for the Killer. It was, uh, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Faraday, Louisiana. Uh, uh, the greatest uh, one, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Faraday, Louisiana, 100 pounds of industrial strength, radioactive <laughs> rock and roll dynamite. <laughs> they call him the killer. His name is Jerry Lee Lewis. Wow. And then, uh, wow. so that, so, uh, so then I can't remember what I said about Chuck, but uh, I really went to sound, you know, because he's a lyricist, yeah. you know, he's a poet. He is a poet, let's face it. He is the poet of rock and roll. Him and Smokey Robinson, there's nothing they can. I don't often refer to songwriters as poets, but there's there's two people that, you know, especially, you know, Chuck, I mean, fantastic. Look at those brown-eyed, handsome men, you know. Uh, Too much monkey business. Somebody mentioned it the other day. Somebody quoted me in in an article the other day uh, that... uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan wouldn't have been written if, it, if he'd have caught all the words to Too Much Monkey Business by yeah. Chuck Berry. And uh, I, I said that years ago, and I stand by it. Yeah. Both great songs, both great songs. But all that, you know, all that, too many, they call it enjambament. <laughs> when, when there's too many words, technically there's too many lyrics, too many words per yeah. line. It shouldn't fit. Yeah. But that's Chuck's trick. He makes it fit, and that's and that's that's, that's the engine room of his. That's the engine room of his songs. Is is, is every note is is a is a word. Yeah. There, there, you know, there's no there's no room for any soul soulfulness or yeah. any you know what I mean. Any finessing of, yeah. uh, of, of you know what I mean. There's no room for it. It, it, it's just get the lyrics out there, you know, in this in this little bit of this little time window. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unbelievable, Chuck. I mean, you, you, you know, he's just invented a whole new way of writing songs. Yeah. Sensational, Chuck. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, on on the strength of the intro, sorry, get back on that on no, no. Uh, on course. On the strength of the uh, intro that I did for him at the Opera House, uh, you know, uh, Wisey, uh, he says, like, he he was trying to organise a a tour of Spain. Uh They're quite rock and roll conscious in Spain, you know, and uh, and, uh, it was a short tour, eight eight dates in in the main cities. And uh, (coughs) he said he'd do it as long as uh, I'm I'm the resident MC. Right. So I was on the payroll then. I was on the, I was on Chuck's payroll. Amazing. And Amazing. Uh, this was when I was, this was back in the wilderness years when I wasn't really uh, flavour of the month. You know what I mean? So yeah. no, nobody knew who I was. <laughs> and he, I don't think it, you know, certainly I don't think Chuck knew who, who I was. You know, I think he thought I was one of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I, I remember at the time I was wear I was wearing a bandana a right. lot of the time. Right. You know, round my head, a la Keith Richards. Keith Richards, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was always being mistaken for either Keith, for people who don't really know much about the Stones, but mainly Ron, Ron Wood. Yeah. 
And there's another name I, I, I'd like to drop. You know, I finally ran into Ron uh, a while back, two yeah. years ago now. It's uh, an NME. When when the NME was still being, you know, still had to pay for it. Yeah. And uh, it was some award ceremony. And uh, because I've been mistaken for him for like <laughs> 20 years, people have been, have been uh, mistaking me for uh, Ron Wood. Yeah. I was Ron Wood's decoy. Wow. I was part of part of a, sto- a short story I once wrote. It wasn't it wasn't easy, but I was Ron Wood's decoy. Anyway, we finally ran into each other. We've got a picture on, on our wall now of uh, I, I said to him, you know, he said, "Here we are, the bookends." He said. <laughs> we had our we had our photographs taken. We did a bit yeah. of a session together, and they were really great. Book. I said, "Hey, hey, Ron," I said, "Do us a favour. Uh, would you mind posing for a photograph with?" Me and you stood on either side of my wife, Evie, and with her with her giving it the old, uh, you know, witch is witch kind of uh, yeah. pose, you know. So he was all like, oh, yeah, it's cool, Saul Willie says. Uh, you've got to keep the little woman happy, ain't you? You know, he was very obliging. So we've, so we've got it in the frame in the front room. Oh, uh, but what a, what a terrific geezer. Yeah. And the next and one, in, yeah, go on. So, so he was. He was also with his lovely, with his lovely wife uh, Sally Humphrey. Yeah. So they were both very, very nice. Nice one. Brilliant. Thanks for that. And the the next name that I've got for you is Bernard Manning. Oh, Bernard! Yeah, gave me my first paid gig. Did he? Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, was that in yeah, RPA? Pardon? Was that Harper Way? Did he have? Yeah, that's right. Harper Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the uh, in the up uh, Rochdale Hill, mm. the uh, the Embo, the Embassy Club. Ah. Yeah. The, yeah, he said to me, what's in the book, but as you know, he said, yeah. they don't like poetry here, so <laughs> half of them can't fucking read. <laughs> Brilliant. So I, had to, uh, so I give him that, uh, I'll, I'll use your name here, actually. Uh, so I give him a clip from, Sol- I've just written it, Salome. Ah. You know, uh, El Supremo of the Ritz, because I knew he knew that world, the Mecca Ballroom. Yeah. You know, he used to work, he used to be a singer in the, uh, was it the um, Oscar, the Oscar Rabin band? Mm. They were a well-known dance band, pre-rock and roll. And uh, Bernard was the singer. That was, That's how he started out in show yeah. business. He wasn't always a comedian. He was uh, a balladeer for uh, a big dance band. And he quit. Bernard quit. This shows you how much now he had about, yeah. uh, about the world of show business. Bernard quit. He's a great, he was a great singer. Really fabulous. Yeah. A little bit R&B. He used to cover, uh, you know, Brooke Benton. People like wow. that, you know, uh, he'd, he'd do the kind of more raunchy R&B type stuff. Well, I'd never you know, have raunchy and well. R&B outside of Bernard Manning's name without yeah, speaking well, to you. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Believe it, he was a terrific yeah. singer. Terrific. But he quit. He quit on the bus, he says. Uh, he, he, went up to, he went up to Oscar Rabin, the governor. Mm. He says, all right, he says, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll work my notice. Yeah. But uh, after this, this next run of gigs... Uh, I want pay me up. I'm I'm getting out of the business. Ah. Going to start my own club. He says. He says. What are you getting out of the business? He says. We booked up five years in advance. What are you getting? <laughs> We've never been bigger. Yeah. You know what, Bernard? This must have been 1955. But so Bernard says. What what are you, what are you leaving? You know, they're all like. What are you leaving the band for? You know, yeah. you're a singer like you with an opportunity like this. You know what I mean? He says. He says. Haven't you heard that Elvis Presley? <laughs> he said, it's all over for this kind of music. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean they were all over? We booked up five years. He said, haven't you heard of, have you never heard of Elvis yeah. Presley? Wow. And of course, none of them had. No? 
<laughs> well, you mentioned Elvis there. Bernard, and he was absolutely right to do it. You know, because <laughs> that was the end of the that was the end of, that was the end of the dance band sure. years. Yeah, well, you mentioned Elvis there, but another name in your book is Elvis Costello. That's the next name. That was a great. That, that was my first real meaningful tour of large venue, large venues, or large, yeah. large at the time. You know, you know, movie theater, yeah. theaters as opposed to clubs. And uh, that was, yeah, that was definitely uh, a good one for me. Fantastic. That yeah. really kind of launched me onto the uh, British public big style. I can't thank him enough for that. Yeah. Another... But, and again, you know, and again, you know, uh, the fans of uh, Elvis Costello were obviously very geared to lyrics. Yes. You know, the lyrics of of, uh, of Declan's songs are, you know, paramount, mm. aren't they? they uh, you know, it's a very literary yeah, uh, songwriter. So yeah. it was it was a perfect one for me, and and also uh, keeping a poetical thread running through the bill. Mm. We had uh, Richard Hell and the Voidoids, mm. and uh, Richard was uh, he'd he'd uh, released a book of poetry. Yeah. And another name for you then. Uh, what about Marky Smith? Oh, Smithy, yeah. Well, uh, really, we were we were we were sort of in running on parallel tracks. Yeah, we were from the same part of town. Yeah, uh, and his man worked at the uh, at the uh, post office right. in in my neighbourhood. You know, Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Let me just shut that door. Hang on. Yeah, Smithy. Yeah. We we were kind of up to the same thing, really, you know. Because I was interested in punk rock. I, I was actually at the uh, Lesser Free Trade Hall. Right. So you know, I was uh, so I was sort of uh, I, I met the Buzzcocks very early on in 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 the proceedings. In fact, it was Howard Devoto who was the singer then yeah. with the Buzzcocks. It was Howard that persuaded me, uh, you know, get involved with the punk rock scene. So thanks for that, Howard. And you know, I always got on with the, with the guy the, with the bus. Lovely fellas, you know, as I say. But uh, I went to see him once, and I uh, was talking to Richard Boone, their manager and the yeah. head of uh, New Hormones Records. And uh, he was saying, and he said, like, "Have you heard of this band, The Fall?" You know, and uh, he says, "I think it was named after that book by Albert Camus." Mm. You know, uh, Le Chute. It's called in French, but The Fall. Oh. And uh, so that was interesting, you know, because uh, I was very fond of Albert Camus, the book, you know, the books of Albert Camus. So uh, anyway, I don't know whether even that is the case, but you know, I, I knew his mum, and when 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 his mum his mum said that, uh, you know, I was in I was in there, I was in the post office, yeah. which doubled as a newsagent, leafing through the NME in case I was in it because I was in it quite often yeah. in the early days and. Uh, they were very good about it. Anyway, Mrs. Smith says, Ah, uh, Mark's in one of those uh, punk rock groups. <laughs> so uh, I said, Who is it? She said, The Fall. So I said, Oh, yes, I've heard of them, Mrs. Smith. You know, and then, but secretly I was thinking, you know, but it, to me, he was a schoolboy. I, mm. I knew him as a, when he was just before he left school, you know. So I thought, Crikey, you know, I, I just can't imagine. Uh, you know, it, it, he just didn't have a rock and roll face. Yeah. <laughs> there was something about it that stretched yeah. my imagination, but when you when you seen him on stage right from the start, yeah. you know, I thought Man, this is something new. Yeah, he was like Captain Charisma right yeah. from the start. 
Oh, was a big fan, big fan of the fall. Yeah. I, I loved everything they did. Well, another. Yeah, I was on, so I did many tours with them, and uh, mm. unlike a lot of people, like like Chuck in the, in the same way as Chuck, yeah. I watched them every night. Wow. You know, I watched them every night. Fabulous. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, then I think the signal. On my phone's playing up a little bit. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Can you, can you hear me, John? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it must be my signal. It, it will cut it off a little bit. Uh, yeah, so um, an, another Mancunian then for you, John. Guy Garvey. Oh, wait a minute. Hello? Hiya. Hiya. Can you hear me okay, mate? Hello? Hello? Do you hear me? I can, I can hear you, mate. Do you want, shall I try and phone again? If you like, yeah. yeah. I'll just try and call again. I'll hang, and get... up. I'll hang up. Okay, mate. Nice one. Two seconds. All right. Hello. Hi, John. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it, it's, it'll be my phone playing up, mate. The signal's not great around here. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, so we'll just move on to another Manchester Mancunian. Uh, Guy Garvey, what kind of relationship did you have with Guy through the years? Oh, guys, a lovely fella. They yeah. all are. Again, you know what mm. I mean? Uh, you have to all the nice people. <laughs> you know, lovely, wonderful uh, guy. Uh, he uh, he took care of my pal, the late Sir Steve Maguire, who illustrated my first book, uh, yeah. 10 Years at an Open Next Year. Well, the pencil drawings in that book, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Beautiful illustrations. Yeah. You know, he was, he was a great artist and uh, sadly died a, a, uh. a while back. But he was my best mate as well. And uh. Uh, he moved to Bury, And, uh, of course, that's where uh, that's where the elbow guys are, mm. are from. And they they all used to hang out. And, and I knew for a fact he was the, he was the architect. Steve, Steve McGuire, my yeah. late friend. He was the archetypal, impoverished artist. You know what I mean? <laughs> no money. But a massive, you know, uh, first. Yeah, you know he liked he did like a few pints. Yes, and uh, and it was uh, I, I swear I swear he used to hang out in a place called the Met Bar in Bury. I don't know do you know it. Yeah, he's still, still going strong now. They've they've through the pandemic they've been doing some amazing like live stream type stuff like have proper, they, proper gig experiences. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good at that. You know, I think you know Glenn Glenn Tilbrook did it a few times. Mm. You know, in the in, in the past, for instance. You know, I think they've had a few good people on there. Yeah. But anyway, uh, th- that's the milieu that uh, spawned uh, Elbow, I think. You know, and Guy particularly. Every time I went in there with Steve, you know, Guy was around. And yeah. uh, what a lovely fella. I-, I think he kept Steve in beer. <laughs> and that's quite that's quite a financial commitment. <laughs> right. you know, but he was, certainly, he was certainly instrumental in keeping, in keeping my dear friend Steve in beer when it Excellent. mattered most. <laughs> so I love that guy, yeah. yeah. And the last one on the name, and we've touched on him earlier, is Alex Turner. Lovely fella, fantastic. Yeah. Deserves his success. Does, really does. They're grafters. You know, you know, I'll tell you, you know, when people think, you know, you made it in the rock world, so you must be middle class or, you know, because yeah. you've got money. You know, you know, the person who put it best, and, you know, and this goes for me and everybody I know that this has happened to, you know, Alex and that, you know, and the person who put it best was, of all people, Liam, Liam Gallagher. Mm. He says, he says, I'm not middle class. He says, like, he says, uh, like, like most of my pals, he says, I'm a working class grafter who got lucky. Yeah. A working class grafter who mm. got lucky. That's, I said, that's me. That's me. Yeah. 
that's what I am, and that's what Guy is. That's what Alex and his chums yeah. are, working-class grafters who got yeah. lucky. And, uh, you know, since then, I've seen elders. I went to see, went to see Iggy mm. Pop a few years ago in uh, San Nazaire in France, where my sister-in-law lives. Mm. And it, oh, great, Iggy's on. I went to see him. He was doing, I thought, oh, he's going to be doing all his new stuff, because I, I hate that, I like it in the classics, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but he did, he, did, he did all the Stooges stuff, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was fucking terrific. Who's on drums? Elders. Oh, oh Matt, Matt Elders, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, quite rightly so. Yeah. He was fucking, he's a fucking terrific drummer. He's a machine. He's got his it? own fan club, Elders, hasn't he? Yeah. Chicks yeah. are crazy about him. Yeah, he's absolutely mental. Really nice. Down to earth guy, from what I remember, I've, I've not, I've nice, not spoken lovely. to them since they like proper took off. But even in the early days, they were just so eager to learn and just so yeah, uh, they're asking yeah. me for advice, and that was just fucking ridiculous. Every <laughs> album they've done has been different to the last one. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. You know, they're like the be- think think about that's what the Beatles were like. Yeah, yeah you could definitely. tell it was them, but there was no, you know, recognizable, you know, method. Yeah. It was like totally everything. Everything was, you know, brand new. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Doesn't happen every day. You don't get bands like that every day. They don't, mate. They don't, mate. So the big tour's coming up. Um, what, mine? Yes, yours, mate. Well, we're, yeah. we're back on you now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what what can people expect from the new tour that's coming? It's October, I believe. It starts. Uh, more more of the same, <laughs> if you right. can remember what that is, <laughs> which I hope you can. Yeah. It'll seem new. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan anyway. Yeah. No, I might get this one out. I might get this. What What is it? Uh, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, every cunt's a poet <laughs> as opposed to the other way around. <laughs> Excellent, love that. So you might, so I might be, I might be ready with that one. But no, I've got to write some new stuff. I, I, I'm slightly exaggerated, yes. you know. You, you know, but but you know, work makes it work. The more you work, the more you work, you know. And I, I mm. write a lot more when I'm on when I'm out on the road. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a lot, a lot more. Well, what I'll do, I'm yeah. gonna, on, on this podcast, I'm going to put a link to the people that are listening to this. All you need to do is scroll down to the description, but there's going to be a link on there to uh, to join John on tour uh, and hear the, the finished article of the uh, of his new poetry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, have, have you got any plans for after the tour? Have you th- are you but even I thinking did, that far no, forward yet? Not thinking that far forward, but uh, you know, it's uh, I did, I you know, I I, I really. Uh, the punters make it make it work for me. It's like I say, I'm I'm only half kidding when I say there's yeah. no point in writing poetry yeah. if you ain't gonna dish it out to the public. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's hot off the press. There's nothing like it. I, well, I love that. It's my, that's my impetus. You know. Well, using one of your own quotes, you're in a position to make people miserable and there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> yeah, I remember saying that. <laughs> I love that when they put us on When they put us on the school syllabus, yeah, yes. finally I'm in a position to make people miserable <laughs> and there's nothing they can do. Being, my, my poetry is being rammed down, down the, the reluctant th- throats of <laughs> school children <laughs> all over the British Empire. You must be quite proud of that, though. Yeah, well, I am really. It's always did me a lot of good. I mean, that, mm. that's how the, you know, I love a circular conversation. That's how Alex got to find out about yeah. my stuff at school. Mm. You know, doing the uh, the old GCSE. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, 
you know, I'm glad that happened. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have... in my favour. Just drawing it to a close a little bit, John, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today and just, you know, getting to know you a little bit there. Do, do you have a poem that you could share with us, that you'd be comfortable sharing with us uh, yeah, to hand? Well, We've not yeah. planned anything. Is anything that, that, you know, could be an old classic or something new, whatever you're comfortable with? Yeah, well, here's a case in point, right? And, uh, no, I don't lose much sleep about never being put forward to being the Poet Laureate. You know right. what I mean? I'm, I'm not surprised. Why would they give it to me? <laughs> they're not going to make me Poet Laureate any more than they're going to make Keith Richards a knight. You know what I mean? There ain't yeah. no Sir Keith Richards, no. and they never will be. And, and just as I'm never going to be the Poet Laureate, because I'm, I know I'm perceived to be a Republican and things like that. Yeah. I, would, I, I wouldn't oversimplify it like that. I think yeah. Queen Elizabeth II has, has been a, a terrific queen. And, you know, yeah. and we've had some good times under under her, her reign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? If not, if it wasn't her, it'd be some somebody else. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I don't have a, an opinion one way or the other about that. But uh, but here's the thing. The, the last few poet laureates, they haven't done any royal stuff. And uh, so here's, here's one that I wrote oh. when I was in France. I was in Paris with my uh, my late mother-in-law and my wife. And we, were, we were walking through Paris and and uh, the queen, queen mother hadn't been very well. So there she was on the front of... Uh, uh, a French magazine with uh, with a black a blackboard around the photograph of uh, this mugshot mm. of the queen, the late queen mother, blackboard. So I put two and two together. I said she's died, hasn't she? It's uh, in French, obviously. I'm yeah. not that conversant. So, uh, <laughs> so but the missus read, but yeah, yeah, she died. Mm. You know, so, so I'm flicking through, looking for the poem from Andrew Motion, uh. as it was then, right? So what, what's Andrew Motion? Surely he's written about this. This is a big event in the royal, you know, mm. calendar. Quit the death of the Queen Mother, you know, 101 years old. But uh, poem was. Not not poem one, not one line about it. So uh, so they were all like, well, you know, uh, it's a tall order coming up with uh, something right right off the cuff. Yeah. I said, no, it no it is, and this took me two minutes. Now I'm <laughs> going to give you the backstory of this. The Queen Mother is very popular in the East End of London, and the reason she's very popular with the Cockneys of the East End of London is because she could have fucked off to Sandringham or Balmoral, you know, when the Blitz was on, but she chose to stay in London at the height of the Blitz, you know, no, I can't, you know, these are my, you know, she was... So she's very, quite rightly, you know, she's held in very high high regard, even today, in the East End of London, for that reason and that reason alone. And the fact that she had a sort of, uh, you know, she likes a pint and uh, yeah. <laughs> she betted on horses. And yeah. you know what I mean? But there's a real connection, there was yeah. a real connection with the Queen Mother because of this. Mm. So anyway, I come, in, in three seconds it took me to come up with this, this little gem, right, to commemorate... Uh, it's, in fact, the title is longer than the poem. It's <laughs> okay. called "It's called Lines Upon the Death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. Uh, she stuck it out throughout the Blitz when let... Let, let me start again. Right. She stuck it out throughout the Blitz when lesser mortals got the shivers. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely super. So it's got that musical vibe. Yeah. You know, that avoiding the swear word. Yeah. 
very much it's a sort of musical thing, isn't it? Max Miller used to do it all <laughs> the time, you know. And and every and it, it's a well known fact that the late Queen Mother was a big fan of these musical people. Mm. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it ticks a lot of boxes. That's it's only four lines. Yeah. Two lines. Two lines, but it ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah. Brilliant. And that's why I should be the poet laureate. Having well, said that, having said that, Simon Armitage is doing a terrific job. Yeah. I love his show on the Radio Four. The poet laureate is in his shed. Yeah. Has gone to his. The poet laureate has gone to his shed. Yeah. Have you heard any of them? I've, I don't. I haven't, to be honest with you, mate. Oh, they're really good. He's had mm. Johnny Marr on all sorts mm. of people. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a good, a great idea. So I'm not, I'm not knocking Simon. Simon is doing yeah. a great job. Excellent, excellent. Well, John, I really appreciate your time joining me for this podcast today. Go out there, um, you know, buy a ticket to John's tour. Take advantage of his book. It's on Audible. It's you can buy the physical thing. Um, John, mate, really appreciate your time. It's very much appreciated. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad people are still interested. <laughs> Well, that was my interview with John Cooper Clark. I hope you enjoyed that. Some tricky parts, you know, sometimes when, you know, you're not as intelligent as somebody and you're very well aware of it. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll have noticed those bits when I kind of uh, gave some verbal nods, pretending that I understand some of the references and things. But what a lovely guy, what a great man, and what a legend. So thanks to John Cooper Clark for joining us down on the first edition of the podcast. So we're off. That's week one. Next week, as I mentioned earlier, is going to be Red Rum Club. Love those guys. Great interview. Great interview. We interviewed him when it was during the Euros. And they were quite hungover. And I was. It was just after the 4-0 win against Ukraine, I think, from memory. It seems a long time ago. Uh, so we've got these interviews in the bag. It was just before they played Tramlines, the big to the stage. And it was great to catch up with the lads. So stay tuned for next week. Tell your friends. The best way to get podcasts out there isn't to advertise because people are just bored of being spammed with stuff. It's to tell people and word of mouth and that kind of stuff. That's how podcasts tend to get around. So if you enjoyed the show, subscribe and just tell a friend. It would really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Follow us on the Twitter, RGM at RGM Pod. It's all on there. Watch the videos on our RGM YouTube channel too. The video versions of the podcast, they'll all be coming out. Great guests ahead. It's great times. It's going to be a weekly show, so join us every Monday for a brand new podcast been an absolute pleasure guys um i don't know what more i can say i'll see you next week thank you hello did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways within the description of this podcast you will see a list of all the equipment that we use these are amazon affiliate links clicking on these links take you to amazon if you buy whatever you're planning that week we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost we would really appreciate your support or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. 
with a reputation spanning over 30 years. Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest.